Hello, and welcome to the Superhero by Design podcast, a show where we interview real life superheroes. My name is Ace, and I'll be your host. It would be an understatement to say that on today's episode, we are going to be talking with a man who has experienced the roller coaster of life. He went from building a real estate empire to spending 10 years in a federal prison. Now it is his mission to share his story of resilience and empower others to live an extraordinary life. Be prepared to be taken on an adventure of great loss and redemption. Let's give a superhero by design welcome to Michael Morwalski. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey Ace, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I can't say I'm a superhero, but I uh, certainly hope that I'll be able to extend some hope and inspiration for people. Well, it is my hope by the end of the show, I change your opinion on that. However, for those of you who are listening, Michael is a 30 plus year real estate investment veteran. He has controlled hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate transactions. He is an entrepreneur, author, real estate trainer, public speaker, and personal coach. He has mentored hundreds of real estate investors to fulfill their dreams. For more information on Michael and his services, go to his website, mikemorowski.com. You can also go to his Facebook group, Multifamily Unplugged, and he has two podcasts, Insider Secrets Podcast and Multifamily Unplugged Podcast. All right, I'm going to start this off the same way I start off every show. I, I just jump right into it with a very, very difficult question. So are you ready for this? Okay, I am. Awesome. How are you doing today? I'm great, actually. Monday morning, and uh, it's good. It was a great weekend, great Father's Day weekend. It's a good morning. I appreciate you saying that. And yes, happy Father's Day to you. How, how many kids do you have? Uh, I have five. Oh my goodness, five kids. Holy moly. Yeah, so they're all grown, but yeah, still a number of great years. So that's for sure. Incredible. Well, happy Father's Day to you. So how about you? <laughs> I am the father of one fur baby. No, uh, no children, no human children as of yet. That uh, okay. I am pushing to change that here in, in uh, the next few years. But as of right now, technically not a, not a father unless you count my dog. Okay, and a lot of people do. So <laughs> that's true, right? Yeah, I'm. I I love my dog to death, but I am not one of those. Uh, one of those. Uh, parents of a, of a fur baby. So, yeah. um, all right. I know a little bit about your story. However, I don't know quite enough, but I do know that before you had gone to prison, you had built an insanely successful business. I'm assuming the family was there as well. You had children before this had happened. Can you take us through your life before, during, and after this? Yep, absolutely. And uh, thanks, uh, Ace. And as I said in the beginning, you know, I I really uh, try to provide hope and inspiration for people. And the and the reason for that is because I might have been in prison behind a wall, but I think a lot of people are imprisoned in their and they're trapped by uh, you know 
maybe past addictions in their life or abuse in the past in their lives. And, and they let that stuff hold them back. You know, growing up, maybe somebody's parents said to them, oh, you'll never amount to anything. You know, success is elusive. And it's just like how when people talk about money, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and things like that. I think anybody can go get whatever they want if they put their mind to it. And, and that's what I try to convey in my story. So as you said in the beginning, I, I've been in real estate for 30 years, uh, started out on, uh, I had a contracting business. I was a general contractor. We'd gotten up to a point where we were building probably about 25 room additions a year. So like any other entrepreneur, you know, I was doing everything. I was marketing, I was sales, I was writing contracts, ordering material, hiring people, firing people, doing the bookkeeping. And I was still in the field banging nails. I just burned out. So I can remember vividly waking up that one morning, uh, sitting up next to my wife going, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Fortunately, I had somebody knocking at my door who wanted to buy the company. So I sold the company and uh, took a year off. But, you know, like any entrepreneur, you never really take time. You know, you're always sure. doing. So I went out and bought a couple of two flats to house hack. And now, Ace, this was this was long before it was a sexy thing to do. Matter of fact, back then, people used to say, hey, you know, what are you, crazy? Uh, what are you doing? It, and, you know, but now it's like everybody gets into real estate investing through house. Right. Oh, yeah. Which is a great way to get your feet wet. So uh, I house hacked a couple of two flats. And along the way, I met a real estate agent who was very successful. And, you know, thinking about what I want to do with the rest of my life and, you know, maybe a career, I went to him and said, hey, Todd, you know, I'm thinking about going into real estate. And he encouraged me to do so. He said, I think you'll be great. And uh, he encouraged me. I went and got my license, during which time I, I said, hey, can I come in and shadow you and your team and see how you do business? And he said, no, nope, I'm going to do one better than that for you. And I'm going to date myself here. But he says, uh, I'm going to make you a cassette tape. And, you know, I don't think we could find anything to make a cassette tape on today and almost much less listen. To it, right? right. But he made me this cassette tape. And, and I equate that to like podcasts of today where I went back and listened to this thing over and over and over again. I wore it out. Right? And um, when I went into business, my first nine months into business, I sold 78 houses. Oh, wow. I was Remax Rookie of the Year. I went on to build a team selling 125 homes a year and did that consecutively for about 12 years. 2005 rolled around and uh, I, the market was starting to change and soften. And I knew that I wouldn't keep that production. And I had people working for me and I, I wanted to keep them employed and not have to let anybody go. And um, So I, I decided... Uh, I had always wanted to be in the apartment business. There's a couple of large apartment syndicators here in Chicago, and I wanted to build a, a syndication business. So in 2005, I syndicated my first apartment deal, and it went well. Uh, and from there, I went out and grew uh, a 4,000-unit portfolio in the next 30 months. Oh, wow. Raised the capital, syndicated all those units. I was in five markets around the country. And at the same time, vertically integrated a property management company managing 7,500 doors. I built a $100 million company. 
Well, 2008 rolled around and I had grown way too fast. So I want people to take heed in that because I'll talk about the five mistakes I made along the way here. But I grew way too fast, very unstable as a company. So when 2008 happened, it was like hitting a brick wall in a freight train at 200 miles an hour, started to derail. And part of that issue was the fact that we had, um, we had, we were over leveraged. So I owned $60 million worth of real estate at 85% loan to value. It was brain damage. And I always say, you know, who was worse, me for taking the money or the banks for giving it to me? And I think people should be leveraged no more than 65% in today's environment, right? So uh, that was the second mistake. Third mistake was I was undercapitalized as a business owner to grow the company. And we had, you know, $100 million company. I had 100 employees working for us and we were just very shaky. Well, by 2010, we had totally derailed. Uh, I had 12 companies, I had 38 different companies, but I had 12 of them that I should have just let go to foreclosure. A handful of investors get hurt, but I didn't want anybody to get hurt. I, I tried to save the whole company. So I decided I'm going to move money from profitable companies to non-profit. And my accountant and my attorney both said, that's it's fine to do that. Just leave a paper trail. And my thought process was, hey, this is just a short-term recession. It's going to last 17 or 18 months. There'll be a 10 or 12% correction in the marketplace. And then boom, the markets will bounce back. We'll put the money back. Everything will be fine. Now I'll be a hero. Well, we all know what happened in 2008. It was seven or eight years that that event lasted. There was a 45, 47% correction in the markets. And you can't weather that storm. So I started moving money back and forth, but the problem was I didn't disclose it to my investors. Mm. Now, I want people to understand that when you raise capital, you're held at a much higher stand, and that you need to disclose and be very transparent with your investors. And I wasn't. So for non-disclosure, I wound up being charged on wire fraud and mail fraud charges, and I got sentenced to ten years in federal prison. Uh, you know, I, I take full responsibility for my actions around that and understand. You know, I always tell people, I say, hey, I never flew private. I didn't have a boat. I didn't have a big house. I didn't have a fancy car. I was the neighborhood baseball coach, almost nights for dinner. And I got ripped from that to a little bit of 12 by 12 room with three men I didn't know, nor did I wonder what the hell happened. So, you know, I walked around in prison that first six weeks or so. And, um, and let me, uh, let me ask, is there anything there that you want to unpack at this point before I get into terror on peace? Yeah, no, no. I appreciate you saying that. And being a real estate investor myself, a lot of things that you had mentioned about not over leveraging yourself, disclosing to your investors in my career and my career wow. has not been even completely, not even close to the scale that you built yours to, but on a smaller scale, I've had private investors that I've raised money through. I've had myself over leveraged even in times like this. And so when I hear your story, I can relate it to mine a lot because I am in real estate. However, at the same time for people that aren't in real estate, your intentions can be, you can be well-intended, but that doesn't change the fact that when you 
go into business and you take a risk that there are rules to this game and you can try everything you want to do, everything you see as right. However, you don't know what you don't know sometimes. And unfortunately, like, yeah, you weren't, you weren't buying fancy cars and he, like they, like you see a lot of these stories of people who are just buying islands and just completely using their investor money, not for the projects and this and that. And it, it breaks my heart because I can relate to you on a personal level, having be, you know, being in the same industry as you. And I've worked with partners in companies that I've been in. And I know other people in this industry that have done things far crazier and, and, uh, unethical. And some people have gotten away with it, but friends of mine also too have gotten, um, gotten thrown in, in prison because of, of just not running businesses properly, whether they, they knew it or not. John Maxwell has a quote that I love. And I learned this early in my business career. John Maxwell says, there is no such thing as business ethics. There's just ethics. And so every time I get into a business, every time I find a business partner or do anything, I, I ask myself that question. I'm like, okay, this isn't, there's no such thing as, as business ethics. There's only my own ethics. So what do I need to do? And I'm not, I'm not even saying you were unethical or anything like that at all. What I am saying is that there are things that are beyond our control and it, it does break my heart because you were ripped from your family. You were ripped from your life for 10 whole years for not disclosing to your investors. And these things are great when they're great, but when things like the great recession happen and even things that are happening right now in 2023, things like this can happen. So you got to make sure your bookkeeping is good. You're hiring the right people around you to make sure your business is running as clean as it can be because there, yeah, there's things like this that, that can really turn your life upside down. And I, I appreciate you one being so open about talking about this because I know there's a lot of people that if they were, if they've gone through what you've gone through, they're going to try to erase that part of their life. Whereas you're using it as a story to help inspire other people to learn from the mistakes that, that you've made. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, it wasn't the end of the world. A lot of people would look at that and say, oh my God, my life is over. I'm done. And I actually did for the first several months. Um, you know, and it, I, if it wasn't for an individual in prison who I will always be eternally grateful to, walked up to me. I walk in the gym one day and this guy walks up to me. And I was just window shopping. You know, I'd gone from running marathons to being 35 pounds overweight. I absolutely hated myself. And, you know, probably a little bit more of walking around in that space. I, I might have gotten to the place where maybe I wanted to end. That This guy walks up to me and he goes, hey, don't let these people be. All they want to do is take from you everything you've ever known, everything you've ever had. They can take your business. They can take your destroy your family. Uh, but what they can't take is who you are and what they, they can't take what's up here. You built a hundred million dollar company. You had a successful company before that. You can go do it again. He goes, look, come to my class every day, start working out. 
you'll start to lose weight. You'll start to feel better. And I don't know what it was, but I, I believe we all have these defining moments in our life. And this was one for me. Boom. It was like somebody flipped the switch. And I decided, okay, I'm going to take him up on this. And I started going to his class. I started working out. I started to feel that. Hey, I wound up writing two books. One is called Exit Plan, Your Complete Guide to Multifamily Investing and Why You Need an Exit. You know, I had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching and training and books and tapes. And, and trainers and teachers always teach you how to find a deal, buy a deal, operate a deal. Nobody ever taught you how to do it. And I wanted to teach people how to maximize their so I wrote two books. The second one I wrote was on property management. I, I wrote an ethics course. So it's funny you bring ethics up, right? Um, I wrote an ethics course, and I think there's a uh, not much of a difference, but a difference between integrity, and, right? Um, I always thought I was walking in integrity and realized maybe I wasn't. You know, there were things in my life that I was out of integrity on, which was, you know, moving money and not telling my investors. Integrity would have told me to move, to, to tell my investors of the movement of money and to get their buy-in or, or their, you know, uh, sentiment to not move it. Uh, I went to college. I got a bachelor's degree in theology. Um, I was on an outreach program. I went into the community. I told my story like 40 times to small business owners and college students. I wound up meeting a professor from the University of Minnesota. He and I co-authored a paper together that we had published in the Business Journal of Ethics that gets taught today at the collegiate level for forensic accounting and sales and marketing classes. Um, I came home wondering, uh, you know, I came home with a business plan written that I was going to go into coaching and training, which I've done. I've gone into coaching and training. And my coaching platform's a little bit different, right? Uh, I only work with select few individuals who really want the business. We have the opportunity to partner together with and go do a multifamily syndication and run and operate. Um, I don't work, you know, I have a group program, but I don't work one-on-one -on -one with a lot of people uh, on a on, you know, monthly or annual basis. So that's a whole concept in itself is I only want to work with people who really want the business and have a desire. But I'm, I went into coaching and training business. And so as being a result of a coach, I knew I was going to have to learn how to underwrite. So I pulled out my old tools and I started underwriting and looking at deals. And, and I, found a, I found a property in Florida and wound up going to two of my coaching clients and saying, hey, you know, I think we should buy it. And we partnered on it and did that that first deal. But along the way, our securities attorney said to me, hey, I think I can get you approved by the SEC to go back and be an issuer of securities and a sponsor. And I said, have at it. Well, I didn't talk, we never talked about it again for like three months. And she showed up on a call one day and said, hey, look what I got. And she had written approval from the SEC that said I could go back, raise capital, be an issuer of securities, syndicate deals. Uh, so it's amazing how the redemption piece is is just kind of been a beautiful thing. I always look at that situation and say, "Hey, it's not what happened to me, but it's what happened for me." Because now I have this this story and this uh, uh, opportunity to provide for other people 
you know, a different way that they can be in their own and, and not be defined by the past, by your past and not let that hold you back from, from what your potential is and what you can do in the future. Yeah. We, we all have a story. We all have a past. And if we let that define us in a negative way, giving negative meaning to that, that is going to disempower our present and enough presence become our future. And for somebody to go from being in prison for 10 years to being redeemed into a life where he can really help and empower other people, that is insanely incredible. And I really appreciate you sharing that. Now, that that's the the redeeming side of, of your professional life. Would you mind talking a little bit about the re- redemption side of your personal life? Because you got ripped away from your family, 10 years away from your wife, from your kids. Can you talk a little bit about the what you had to go through to, uh, to put back together your personal life, if, if you don't mind? Yeah. Uh, this is the hard part of it. Um, my family is, is a wreck because of it. Um, I, I went, you know, yeah, we, had, we had a, you know, I, I had a great marriage, um, while we were married and when my business turned upside down, things started to fall apart. I was, I was in prison for about three weeks and, um, my wife uh, told me she was leaving me and it just kind of wrecked. And, and I tell, I tell this piece and I don't talk about this a lot because people don't ask, um, everybody's so business centric, right? But, um, the, uh, the thing that killed me was that, um, I, tr- I think in my life, I tried to do everything for my family, right? To have a better life. My goal was to get to $10 million in net worth, sell our deals, sell our, our whole business to a hedge fund and be done. And it, if it would have been a small correction in the market, that could have happened if it would have, you know, but we were building that kind of a portfolio. And, um, and that obviously didn't happen. The market changed. It was a bad correction. I didn't pay attention to the details, which was the the fourth piece, but the fifth piece was that piece of not listening to people important in my life. Now, I never told my wife about business. We never talked about it. And what happened was um, we were out to dinner with that, with my ex-partner one night with him and his wife, and we were on the way home and my wife said to me, I don't trust him. And, uh, you know, I think I'm being a good husband and I say, Hey honey, I got this under control. Don't worry about it. When in reality, I didn't have it under control. I should have said, tell me more. What are you seeing that I'm missing? Right. Cause I think, I think your wife is your, um, highest caliber of inspiration, you know, uh, your sounding board. Uh, and, and I blew it. Um, so as a result of that, you know, my relationship with my ex-wife is not, not good today. Um, I have three of my five children that don't talk to me. And um, one of one that barely talks to me. And um, uh, my one relationship with my oldest daughter and my grandchildren. So it's, uh, that's the toughest piece of this whole thing. And, right. um, 
Uh, I, I try as often as I can to make efforts. I write letters. And um, while I was in prison, I wrote my kids letters every week. Very little response. While I've been home, I do, you know, not quite as much, but I still write to my kids, reach out, try to connect with them. Uh, you know, they're not on social media, which I'm grateful for that. And um, I, you know, block like telephone calls, and things like that. So, so there is no communication with my children, which is tough. Um, so if I have to say that there's one huge loss from the whole thing, it's my family. Um, and, um, you know, I just pray that, you know, at some point God will open the door here somewhere and that'll all change. Well, I'm a man of faith myself. And I honestly believe as long as you give your best effort and, let go like you have you've taken ownership of this and just put it in his hands he is ultimately loving and caring and it's hard to say but this is part of his plan for you and maybe not today but sometime in the future hopefully this will uh this will turn around i as you were telling your story i couldn't help but think about my story and I got divorced back in February and mm, for many years I kept pushing because as as men specifically too we push hard with our businesses and our jobs and being able to be that provider for our family and the funny thing you would mention is that 10 million dollar mark get to that 10 million dollar mark sell the company and almost like you didn't say this, but in my mind, I would tell myself, sail off into the sunset, right? Everything's yeah. going to be good. And I did the same thing with my businesses, specifically in real estate. If I can get to this number or this level and be able to do what a lot of people in real estate want to do, they want to become financially free. So their passive income is greater than their life expense uh, expenses so that they can not have to work if they don't want to work. All the gurus sell that, right? Financial freedom. And I found that that is almost an illusion because you push towards something like that. And if that's your main focus, it's it's elusive. And along wow. the way, my marriage suffered because of that. I, Same as you, I did not share all the ins and outs of my business with wow. my wife. I did not share the numbers and things like that. And there were many times that I got myself into some pretty precarious financial situations because markets shift, not like 2008, that that was the biggest shift anybody alive has ever experienced when it comes to real estate. But I appreciate you sharing that too, because as a man who is now divorced and still working through what had happened, how you know, learning from those lessons, how I could have been a better husband. And you had mentioned that, yeah, the, that your partner is your teammate and, and the person that's most important that you need to be listening to. I, I had written down that you said, not listening to the people most important in your life. And as good as I think I could have been, and I was in a lot of aspects, there were times that I, I wasn't listening to what she was telling me. And we all know that women are a lot smarter than us, a lot more intuitive than us. And so I appreciate you sharing that because I've experienced very similar things in my life. 
So let me let me tell a quick story around that, if I can. Yep. Um, so you're a man of faith. Yep. Uh, I believe God knocks out our door from time to time and says, hey, you know, go do something for this person or do this, or call this person. You know, we get those messages, right? And it becomes a choice in our life whether we should accept those, answer that call or not, right? So uh, 2008, trying to close one of the biggest deals at, to, the, to date that we were closing. It was a couple hundred units inside. And I'm sitting in a title company in Cincinnati waiting for the wire from my office to come through for a half a million dollars. Um, not coming, not coming, not coming. Trying to get my partner, can't reach him. And again, remember, the whole setup to this is I don't talk to my wife about business. She knows absolutely nothing. Finally, 10 to 5, I get my partner on the phone and he says, I don't know how to tell you. And my stomach falls out. You don't know how to tell me what. Well, he had moved money from an escrow account, put it in a business account, thought he could have the money back in time, couldn't recoup the money. So thinking quick on my feet, I say, you know what? Uh, I'll deal with you when I come back to the office. I... uh dry clothes, which just simply means we signed all the paperwork. I said, I can have this fully funded by Tuesday. Uh, seller was on board with it. I go back to the office. Over the weekend, I wind up raising the money I need, liquidating my partner's equity in that deal to sell it off to these other investors and get the deal done. So that all worked out well, right? But I'm like that. I think quick on my feet. Well, this is that. So that was on a Wednesday. On Friday night that week, that's the night I went out to dinner with my partner, his ex-wife, and my wife. And she must have sent something to say, hey, I don't trust him. And and that was that situation. But a week later, I'm out to lunch with my uh, outside legal counsel. So we had a we had an attorney that worked for us in our company. And I also had a couple of outside legal counsels. Uh, my, I'm out to lunch with my outside counsel and we're leaving lunch and Bob says to me, goes, hey, I don't know how to tell you this, but I want you to listen to this. And he says, I don't like what's going on and I don't like some of the the things your partner is doing. And, and I go, you know, Bob, don't worry about this. I have it under control. I'm not listening. I'm not paying attention to those details, those red flags that that are happening along the way. So, so piece of advice, especially in this market we're in right now, if you're in a syndication, if you're a general partner and there's things going on in that partnership that you're not happy with, you need to figure out why. You need to find out what's going on and why you're having that feeling or that voice saying, hey, I don't like this. It could be nothing, but it could be something. So take a look at that. You know, Again, I just recap those five mistakes, right? I grew too fast as a company. You don't have to go buy a thousand or two thousand units in a year. You, uh, I, I was over leveraged. Make sure you're sixty-five percent LT. I was all undercapitalized. Make sure you have the money to run your company. Uh, I, I didn't pay attention to the red flags, to the details coming up. Uh, you know, the the mismanagement of funds, the money that was like reallocated and things going on and that I didn't listen to people around me. So 
make sure, you know, especially in today's environment that you are, are watching, uh, you know, your situation. And you know what? Have an accountability partner, have a coach, have somebody, have your wife, your husband, whoever you're talking to um, be your sounding board. Yeah, that reminds me of anytime they do, I, I, I love reading history of certain events. Uh, I'm a structural engineer by trade. Mm-hmm. And so we would, we would do these case studies of how certain structures have failed. Wow. And I was just so intrigued by them. And I also would listen to and read about plane crashes as well and what goes on because of them. And it's not usually because one thing happens. It's a collection of mistakes that happen along the way. And the five things you had just mentioned, they all stack on top of one another. So it's not, and and then on, on top of it, throw the biggest recession of anybody's lifetime that's alive today and you get what what happened to you 10 years ripped away from your family ripped away from your life and now you're you're redeeming yourself you're putting your life back together professionally and personally and um it's just it's it's incredible the things you have gone through but also at the same time the attitude you have towards that and i believe that that goes back to your spiritual walk. I feel like whether you're a Christian, you, you're Jewish, Buddhist, doesn't matter. Like having a spiritual walk is such an important part of life because it's an anchor for you. For me, it's a North Star. We talk about ethics and following your values and all of that. But spirituality is that North, that North Star, that anchor in my life that no matter what's going on, no matter what storm I'm in, I can be the eye of the storm because I have full faith that God is going to take care of me. My mentor told me one time I was having a, a difficult business decision to make. I was kind of at a crossroads in, in my engineering business and I was really struggling with it. And it was an unsolvable problem in my head. And my mentor asked me, he's like, he's like, are you smarter than God? And it's like, no. Well, of course not. I, I I didn't create the universe. Like I'm just one person. Of course I'm not smarter than God. He's like, then why do you act like you are? Huh. And he just stopped me in my tracks and it just blew my mind. It was like, for, for lack of a better term, God smack, right? Like I was yeah. just like, it, it all became clear when he asked me that question. Now that's, that's one of the big steps that took me down my faith walk was understanding Ah. that I am not smarter than God. I am not the center of the universe. And like we've talked about listening to other people, like we, our ego gets in the way and we tend to push it off. No, no, I've got this. I've got it handled. I've got it under control. We don't have it under control. We never have had it under control. And the faster people can realize that and let go of all control, that's when you have complete freedom to take control of your life and live a happy, fulfilling life. Because life is going to throw us curveball, curveballs, and you got thrown the ultimate curveball in life. And I just, man, I just, my heart just just goes out to you because I can ah. see you here over video. I can see your eyes. I can see your face. I know you are a good man, and it's unfortunate that you've gone what you've gone through. But um, 
I, I really appreciate you sharing that and, and continuing to push your mission every day of your life. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, and listen, I'm not the only one that got hurt in 2008. I'm not the only guy in this space that went to prison for, you know, a misstep. But I do believe that I'm one of maybe two, maybe three that are out there publicly talking about. Um, and, you know, I think so much we talk about the good things and, you know, the stacks of cash and the private jets and the Lamborghinis and, you know, Somebody, you know, I think somebody needs to be talking about the problems that can happen along the way and how to watch for those. You know, it's my dad taught me to drive, right? And when he taught me to drive, he said, don't look in front of you, look down the road, look at the taillights, three cars up, because then you know what's coming. And it's the same thing in business, right? Look down the road, you know. A good financial budget will take you out 30, 60, 90 days and you know what's coming, what the income and the expenses are going to be. So you know how to, uh, you know, prepare for it if it's going to be bad or better or whatever. So I, I just use as an example, we have to be looking down the road. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think there's a Wayne Gretzky quote of he doesn't skate to the where the puck is, he skates to where the puck yeah. is going to be. And that is so true. <laughs> What, what are some of the things that keep, keep you motivated, keep you going when you open up your eyes in the morning? Trust me, Ace, there's those mornings I wake up and I go, oh, are you kidding me again? Um, I, uh, what keeps me going uh, is there's, there's plenty of naysayers in my life saying, oh, he'll never do it again, can't come back, his life's over. And um I, I, I have a point to make and the point is that anybody can bounce that and I'm going to bounce and I already am bouncing that. Um, I have a self, you know, I have a goal that I want to accomplish and I work every day towards that. And that is to be a multifamily syndicator again, own it and operate properties, change people's lives for financial benefit. Uh, in a positive direction, and um, and that's that's on the that's on the syndication side. But on the operation side, my goal is to provide safe and secure housing for my tenants. And I think those two things are things that keep motivated and keep me going. Uh, so, well, I appreciate you sharing that. And really, it's the things that. Yeah, that keep you going in times, in hard times, and and all of that is is a man's mission, right? Like, yeah, I, I think we we're born with a mission and a purpose, and so many people either struggle to find what their purpose is, what the gifts are that they were given that they need to work on and craft and hone, so that they can give their gifts to the world. Or, like me, early in my career being a structural engineer, I was following the dreams of my parents for me, which ended up just making me unhappy, ended up making me feel lost because it wasn't my purpose. It wasn't my dream. I was still adding value to other people. And I think that's why personally for me, I held on to engineering for so long is because I was really good at it, 
and I was able to add value to other people's lives. And that always feels good to be able to give your gifts to other people. But it's not until you find out what your own purpose is, what your own mission is just for yourself. And then doing that day in and day out, that is going to give you the fire that you need, no matter if you wake up and it's a good day or you wake up and it's a bad day. That's what keeps you moving forward. Yep. Well spoken. Well spoken. I, pre- I appreciate that. Um, so for those of you who are listening, Michael, you provide services, obviously in multifamily real estate, coaching, training, you've got your books. What's the best way for people to be able to reach out to you for the services that you provide? Yeah, I appreciate that. So listen, wherever you hang out on social media, you'll find me, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Um, we we have a presence out there and we're always trying to bring good, relevant content out to investors to learn from. You could go to my YouTube channel, uh, subscribe there and get you know fresh stuff every day or multifamily unplugged Facebook group. You could email me directly. Uh, matter of fact, if anybody wants a copy of my book, uh, Exit Plan, email me directly. Let's get on a phone call, have a conversation, and I will send you a signed copy of my book. So um, if I can be of any help, I love networking people or networking with people. So if I can do anything for anybody and help bring value to their network, to their world, education or inspire inspiration don't hesitate to reach out awesome awesome well thank you for sharing that and i since this is a superhero show and i said you are a superhero which you are i'm going to ask you a couple quick superhero questions if you don't mind okay all right question number one do you have or if you don't have a superhero name, what would it be? I don't have a superhero name. Okay. Um, I guess it would be Captain Resilient. I love that. I love that. And We're we just off the cuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we could jump into why your superhero name is Captain Resilient, but if anybody has actually been paying attention to any second, of your story, they would know just how resilient of a man you are. And I think that is completely, completely suiting for you. So Michael, Captain Resilient. I love it. All right. What are some of your superpowers? Uh, um, so one would be underwriting. I, I think uh, I think there's three key factors in the multifamily investing business, right? And that is um, underwriting and evaluating market traps. It's relationship building, team building, and then raising private capital. Those are the three most important things in in the real estate multifamily syndication space. And those are the three things I really excel. And so... Um, it would be underwriting, relationship building, and raising capital. Perfect. And for those of you who are listening, underwriting, essentially, 
anytime you go to get a loan, things like that, they, they have underwriters, the underwriting process. Essentially, all that means is evaluating the deal and being able to put the analytics, the numbers to it, to be able to tell you in layman's terms, whether the deal is good or not, whether there's going to be pitfalls here or there. And I know you can get into this a lot more than, than I can, because underwriting is not a superpower of mine, but I just wanted to clarify that a little bit. Is, is that right? At least uh, in a general sense? Yeah. In a general sense, absolutely. Okay. Perfect. So, so I teach underwriting and I have a course. So. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. That is, as a real estate investor myself, that process is so important because it's it's great. It, it's exciting to be in real estate, but if you don't know what you don't know, you can find yourself getting into a lot of pitfalls um, just based off of uh, the deals, the deal structure, and all the uh, numbers that go with with some of these uh, projects that people get themselves in. So, what are some of your superheroes in your life? They they could be. Superman, Batman, all all that, or just what I like even better are real superheroes that that you have had in your life. Yeah, so um, superheroes in my life have been, uh, you know, Tony Robbins. Um, you know, has has made a you know an impression on me over the years. Continues to do. I continue to aspire. You know. Um, not that I ever want to be a motivational speaker, but you know, there's, I, I get a lot from him about, you know, keep going. Right. Yep. Um, yep. and you know, Ace, I got to say Jesus, right. Yep. Uh, if it wasn't Jesus, I wouldn't have gotten through prison, and, you know, on a day to day basis. So those are, are probably my two biggest superheroes. I would say and those you are want, you want. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that because Tony Robbins and Jesus Christ are two of my real life superheroes. And I, I've never said this on, on air before who my actual superheroes are, but I would say two of those guys are, are way up there. Um, I'm just so blessed to have both of those people in my life. No way am I comparing Tony Robbins to Jesus, but uh, Tony Robbins as, as a human is an amazing person and just gives, 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 and also teaches people how to really take control of their lives. And if it wasn't for Tony Robbins, I wouldn't be here today, period. Yeah. So, and absolutely there is no comparison between the two. They're both separate, but, uh, you know, and then I, I just have to say my third one would be Ed Milet today. Um, Incredible. I, I was listening to Ed yeah. this morning. I love his podcast. <laughs> so for anybody listening to this podcast, if you like what I'm saying and the people I talk to, Ed Milet is just absolutely incredible. I think his podcast is called the Ed Milet Show or something like that. Yeah. And uh, he's so inspirational, so amazing, and just just an incredible man. Yeah. We could probably go right down the list of others, too. <laughs> we'll have to ta tag Ed and Tony on these. That's right. That's right. So awesome. Awesome. Well, Captain Resilient. It has been an honor and a pleasure having you on the show today. I really appreciate you being so vulnerable with your story and your life. And I am excited to continue following your story. Like you said, I, 
I'd love to say our best days are yet ahead. And I know you feel that way too, that your best days are still ahead of you. And I know they are. And I can't wait to continue following you in your journey and in your story. Yeah, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on these. Look forward to continuing the relationship. Right back at you. And I will definitely be reaching out to you because I am not leaving real estate anytime soon. So, uh, but yeah, appreciate you having on. Michael, and for those of you who are listening, Superhero by Design podcast, you could be spending your time anywhere, but you choose to be here with us. So I am completely honored and blessed for everybody listening to the show. Obviously, check out my website, check out my book, Superhero by Design, take control of your life. And with that said, I appreciate everything that everyone has uh, given to me in my life and I just want to continue to keep growing and giving because that's where you really find what is fulfilling in life. And as I always like to sign out with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And with that said, peace out. <laughs>